My son, Cade, was about two years old. We took him out to a restaurant. And, you know, some parents just give their kids whatever they want, you know, and they give them all kinds of trashy foods and stuff. We were really particular in how we fed our kids. And so when we put his order in at McDonald's, um, the, the, the food came out, and he was all excited, and there was great anticipation in his heart. And he got the bag, and he opened it up, and there was chicken and french fries, but there was no toy. And so he goes, Mom, Dad... There's no toy. Where's my toy? And we said, oh, buddy, we didn't get you Happy Meal. We just got you some chicken nuggets and fries. And he looked back with his big eyes and he said, you got me a sad meal? <laughs> yeah, man, we got you a sad meal, bro. Isn't it true that in life we all believe we deserve the Happy Meal, right? We deserve the happy life. We don't deserve the disappointment, right? We don't deserve the sad life. But the truth is sometimes life is disappointing, and we start out with the idea that everything's going to go well, and so the relationship was going really well, and we were super excited, but then we got broken up with the sad life, the disappointed life, right? The job was between us and, and three other people. It was so close, we could feel it, right? And they went with the other person, the disappointed life. The retirement package seemed too good to be true, and it actually was, the disappointed Life. And sometimes our disappointments in life don't just have to do with where we are, but also they carry over to God, don't they? And so we prayed for healing, but the person is still sick. Man, disappointment, right? We prayed for healing and the person passed away. Disappointment. I, this, this year, it's March 1st, right? I have been to more funerals this year than I had all of last year already. Right? We prayed that God would do something. We as a congregation, we prayed for some people by name, and they passed away. What, what do we do with that disappointment? And we're going, God, where are you in this? We asked for provision, and it hasn't come through yet. We, we had a whole plan, man. We were a younger person. We had a whole plan about where we were going to be in life and what we were going to be doing and what would be happening by now, but, but we're not there, not even close maybe. And we go, God, where are you? And we all know that disappointment has some, some relatives, right? Disappointment has some relatives called discouragement, depression, and despair. And, and if any of us here in the room have spent enough time in a place of disappointment, that's normally where we end up. In fact, if we could just do something that I think that might be a little bit powerful for the people sitting around you in the, in the, in the church today, if you have ever wrestled with disappointment, discouragement, depression, or despair, can you just raise your hand for a minute? Can we just lift our hands up? Guys, you are not alone in this. This is a universal problem, right? We all wrestle with this. We all struggle with this. And I think what happens is we begin to just really lose hope we're ever going to get to the other side of this. Can I tell you something today, though? Can I tell you that we serve a God who is bigger than disappointment, discouragement, depression, and despair? Can we celebrate that together today, that, that our God is bigger than all those things in our lives? And I want to tell you that if you find yourself wrestling with anything like that, you are in good company today. In fact, as you read through the pages of Scripture, you will find people, Bible heroes, like the guys and girls we look up to as men and women of God that wrestle with some of the same things. There was a guy named Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was a prophet. You go, wow, that's incredible. He was a prophet of God? Like God spoke to him? Yes. But do you know what Jeremiah's message was? It was a message of judgment and warning that if the people didn't change their ways, God was going to have to bring some discipline on them. And you could guess that didn't go over too well. And so as Jeremiah got his message out there, the people ended up started 
to threaten him. They actually beat him. And he said this in Jeremiah 20, 14, 18, cursed be the day I was born. Have you ever felt like that? Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Listen to this. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. Anybody feel bad for the messenger here? Like the guy will just, hey, it's a boy. You are cursed, right? Like that's what Jeremiah is going for here. He goes on. May, may that man, he's still talking about the guy who brought the news. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. Poor guy's just sitting at home and eating lunch and hears a battle cry going, I think that's at me, like, right? And then listen to this. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Have you ever felt like that? Ever like, what's going on here? Why am I even here? I'm so disappointed in life. I'm so disappointed with what I've gone through. Guys, the Bible's greatest heroes have felt the disappointment, discouragement, depression, and despair that you feel sometimes. I've been there. Okay? And so in this series, we're going to spend four weeks. It was going to be a three-parter, but I couldn't fit it all in. We we're going four weeks on this. And we're going to look at the second half of Romans 8, which I think is the best chapter ever. We actually did a series a bunch of years ago called Romans 8, the best chapter ever. Love this chapter. We're just going to spend a bunch of time looking at the second half of Romans chapter 8 because we got to figure out what to do when we are disappointed. And disappointment brings along its relatives. Now listen, let me start out by telling you what not to do. Okay, what, what do you not do because you're disappointed or depressed in life? Here, here's what not to do. Don't stop asking God for big things, okay? Some of us will be tempted and we will go, okay, I'm disappointed that God didn't come through by now, so I guess that means I should stop asking big things. Guys, this series is not a call for you and I to lower our expectations in God, okay? This series is not for you and I to say, let's sit back, he didn't come through, I guess he's there. I guess he loves me. I'm just going to kind of deal with it. No, listen, five weeks from today, I'm so excited for. Okay, you're like, Doug, you got issues. I know. Five weeks from today, we are going to talk about prayer. We are going to talk about the fact that maybe, just maybe, we pray really weak, defensive prayers sometimes. Have you ever felt like you're up against the ropes? Like if you're in a boxing match and life is just punching you over and over again and every prayer you pray is simply you against the ropes going, oh God, help, right? We're gonna talk about that in five weeks. We'll talk about how we get up off the ropes and we get some of life's circumstances on the ropes on the other side, okay? So come back in five weeks, get that on the calendar, all right? So we are not talking today about lowering our expectations Bold and asking is one of our themes for this year, right? And so I am not saying let's decide God doesn't do this stuff anymore. He doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't provide anymore. He doesn't touch marriages and relationships anymore. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. But what if so often we miss what God has done for us because we are looking at all the things he has not yet done for us? Like what if so often we zoomed back and we said, God, I'm, I'm gonna look at the whole picture here. I've got my mind on the little crack, on the little problem, on the little issue, and it doesn't feel little. And we're gonna get there in just a minute. But what if we said, okay, I, instead of just focusing on those things, on the sad meal, right, I am gonna say, God, look what you have done. And we're gonna see today that Paul had his eyes zeroed in on a few things that made him have a joy, a peace, and a hope, and a faith Listen, he had no business having outside of God. And what worked for Paul will work for you. What worked for Paul will work for you. 
The same things Paul had his eyes on are the same things you and I can get our eyes on and see the amazing joy, peace, faith, and hope we can have that we have no business having and we get pulled out of that pit of despair, pulled out of the pit of disappointment, discouragement, and depression. And so I want us in this series to highlight some of the things God has already done for us those things we can cling to and say, okay, God, maybe this isn't going the way I want it to go. Maybe the big answer firework in the sky hasn't happened yet, but, and that's my goal for you in this series, is that we would learn to say, yes, but. Yes, this hurts. Yes, life is hard. Yes, my heart is broken. Yes, my bank account is drained. Yes, I feel far from God, or I feel far from this person I was once close to, but... And we're going to discover some of those things here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, sometimes we don't follow Jesus because we get angry at him, right? Sometimes we don't follow Jesus because we prayed once and we didn't see the outcome we hoped for. And we thought, well, I knew this was just a fairy tale, right? So today we're going to talk about how we work through that. And I want you to see the amazing offer of Jesus to you today as you maybe work through some of your own disappointment, discouragement, depression, or despair. And so we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Some of you guys know who he was. Guys, the Apostle Paul was a train wreck. Do we know this? Like he started out a mess, and then he had an encounter with Jesus, and everything changed, right? And he became one of the leading proponents of Christianity in the first century. And honestly, you and I are largely here today because A, of what Jesus did, but B, what Paul did. Like God turning Paul's life around is monumental. And Romans 8 and the second half, I mean the whole chapter, but the second half I pray will be monumental in our battle against disappointment. And so let's look at Romans 8, 18. Let's get one of the things in our head today that Paul had his eyes on. So here's what he says, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. First off, we gotta ask, what glory will be revealed in us? What does Paul have in mind? What is he leaning into so that he has this supernatural faith and peace and joy and hope that we all want? He's got his eyes on the glory that will be revealed in us. He's talking about heaven, right? He's talking about being in God's presence, seeing Jesus face to face. No more sin, no more sickness, no more death, no more temptation, no more struggle with this or that. He's talking about that glory. And the word glorification is the fancy word for this. It's when you and I are transformed in the presence of God. And you see there how it says that there will be a glory revealed in us. Okay, that word in, the Greek preposition that Paul uses there can mean to or in. What does this mean? It means that when you and I see God, his glory will be revealed to us, but it goes further than that. It'll be revealed in us. Like, have you thought about that? Have you thought about the fact that literally the glory of God, the goodness of God is going to be welled up inside you as you experience him in eternity? And so Paul says, this is what I'm grabbing hold of. Yes, life hurts. Yes, I've been beaten, Paul would say. Yes, I've been shipwrecked. Yes, I've been betrayed. Yes, I've been lied about. Yes, I got the weight of the churches on me. But there is a glory, guys. There is a glory that I'm going to see and I'm going to experience and it's going to be revealed in me that's not worth comparing with all the pain I'm going through right now. Does it ever feel like this is kind of an oh, come on verse? You know what I mean by that? Like you're reading it, you're like, ah, sounds great, but come on. You know, like there's no way this is real. There's no way that the, the pain of what I'm going through can actually be nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in me 
one day, right? I stood at Mariana Gordon's funeral just a few weeks ago, and I read a verse similar to this one. And I stood there in front of a room packed full of some of you and her family and her loved ones, and this is what the verse reads. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And after I read this verse, I said to them, you know what? This right here, this doesn't feel light and momentary, right? Like this cancer that took Mariana's life doesn't feel light and momentary. Chemo doesn't feel light and momentary. Uh, Hospices and funerals don't feel light and momentary. But Paul says, there is a hope we cling to. And what I need you to see today is God is not trying to minimize your suffering here and now, right? Remember when you were a kid and you would run to your parents after you got hurt, you know? And be like, ah, you're fine. Like, mom, I have a sword protruding from my abdomen, right? Like, I'm not fine right now, you know? And it almost can feel like this verse, like God is kind of trying to minimize our pain, almost like you and I come to him and go, God, I'm broken. She broke up with me. God, the kids hate me. God, the finances are a mess. And he's going, ah, you're fine. That's not what's happening here. He's just saying, this glory that is coming is so great, you can't even fathom it. And here's what I need you to hear, guys. Can we just celebrate this today? Remember we were praying for Gabby Kava, 16-year-old girl, loved Jesus. Remember her dad Dave was here, and he told us about her life, and we were praying for her. Can I tell you something about Gabby Kava today? Try to get through this one. If she could shout back to you and me, she would say, This verse is true. This is real. Like the glory I'm in right now far outweighs the pain. Far outweighs the disappointment. Far outweighs the countless surgeries I had. Countless doctor's trips and hospital stays and feeding tubes and oxygen. It far outweighs it all. I believe with all my heart, Tommy Piero, who, again, we prayed for And he passed away. If he could call back to you and me today, this verse is true. Guys, this is real. Mariana Gordon can shout back to you and I. Man, I I saw her. I saw her a few days before she died. I sat in the hospital with her and I prayed for her and I saw how frail she looked and she would yell back to you and me. This is true. So the question is then, why does it always feel true? Verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation, right, for the children of God to be revealed. Now, guys, something really cool is going on in this verse. You see, Paul uses this tool called personification. It's when you give life to something that doesn't have life, right? And so you've heard this done before, right? Somebody says, uh, the lightning danced across the sky, right? Uh, that last pie, piece of pie was calling my name, right? The hair jumped off my head, okay? Like, you understand what personification is. And here Paul is saying that the trees and the oceans and the mountains around us are all leaning forward towards something. They're leaning forward in anticipation for Jesus' return. But what if this isn't just a cute little tool? What if creation is crying out for something along with you and me? We're going to get there. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Guys, this is why we get disappointed. This is why it doesn't always feel true that these sufferings are light and momentary and that glory is not worth comparing to. It's because we live in this frustrated, or another word you could slide in there is 
disappointed state right now, right? We live in this world that's broken, and there was this sin that drove a wedge between us and God. And so this introduced temptation and death and sin and all the things that we hate about life, all of the things that disappoint us and discourage us and depress us. And and this is why in the disappointed state, suffering can feel so, so horrible. This is why the heartbreak can be so devastating. This is why we despair. This is why we get the sad meal sometimes in life. But we don't give up. We don't give up. You know that, right? We don't give up because there is hope. Listen, hope that things won't always be like this. Hope that there is an author writing an ending that is beautiful. He goes on. He says in verse 20, but the creation was subjected to frustration. Listen, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Now you and I look at this verse and we go, oh, this is easy, man. We know who subjected everything to frustration. It was that devil guy, right? That devil guy must have done it. He subjected everything to to frustration and disappointment. I would say maybe that were true if it weren't for the last two words on the screen. What does it say? It says that everything was subjected to disappointment and frustration for a season. Can you read it with me? In hope. Can I ask you a question? Does Satan ever do anything in hope? Who does things in hope? Who has the power and the authority to subject everything in all creation to frustration in hope? Only God. Why? Sin enters the picture, right? God could have wiped out humanity, but instead he subjects it to frustration or disappointment for a season. But this is not the long-term state. We are headed toward hope. He says this, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Guys, this is Paul personifying again, right? He's saying all creation is leaning into, with anticipation, the redemption that God is going to bring. And we're going to see a really exciting aspect of this in just a minute. But verse 22 says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Everything around us is groaning. If you've ever felt like, man, why don't I feel at home in this broken world because this broken world as it is is not your home, right? And so here as you and I are leaning in with frustration, Paul says it's like childbirth. Now listen, I've never given birth. (laughs) Really. But I've heard the groans. (laughs) And I'm a guy, which means I'm a wimp. Right? In fact, Jimmy and I were laughing a few weeks ago. Somebody posted this online. Only a woman who delivered her baby without epidural can understand a guy who's having a cold. Right? <laughs> can all the ladies just say amen real quick in church today? Yes, thank you. Yes, so true. I'm the first to admit it. But he says all creation's groaning like this, right? Broken, uh, disappointed, waiting for things to be made right. And then he transitions to us. He says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait. Now, we're going to discover something really cool about this groaning in a few weeks. But as you and I groan, we have God's Spirit in us groaning inwardly. And so we go, God, it hurts to be dumped. 
God, this temptation is so overwhelming. God, I hate being stabbed in the back. God, I can't lose another loved one. God, walking by faith is so hard sometimes. I just want to see you face to face, right? What are we waiting for? Verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for what? Our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is what is coming for you and me. And this, guys, this is what we have to realize and cling to in the midst of right now and the disappointment that we're experiencing today. Like, this is what we have to grab a hold of and say, I'm not letting go of this. Yes, but, right? Yes, but. Yes, this is hard, but this is what's waiting for me. And I love you brings up redemption and in the, uh, I'm sorry, adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Here's the deal. You and I are adopted and redeemed, but we're still waiting on some stuff, aren't we? Right? Like we are adopted. Like I want you to imagine a kid who's adopted from another country and all the paperwork has gone through and the payment has been made, but they're not home yet, Right? I want you to imagine the, the, the idea of you and I saying, okay, the redemption of my body is not complete. Everyone over 40 can say amen to that, right? Like, we all get it. Somebody asked me recently, Doug, why don't you play softball anymore? Because I kept breaking stuff, man. I <laughs> broke my thumb. I partially tore my MCL. I'd wake up after the, the, the game, and I'd be like 99% paralyzed the next morning because, man, my body's not redeemed yet. But that's on its way. And. Can we jump into something really cool here for a minute? Can we jump into something that maybe we don't talk about and think about enough that maybe you've never even heard before? Something we should celebrate together as a church today? Why does God and Paul, why do they have creation lined up with this in this weight? Like, why do they have creation crying out? Like, why is Paul, is this just a cute little personification tool Paul is using? Or is there something bigger going on? Well, it all comes back to this. Where is heaven going to be? Where is heaven going to be? I don't know if you know this. I mean, you might be thinking about heaven right now. My mom is in heaven right now, but, but where is heaven? And, and is that where heaven's going to always be? Look at Revelation 21. I love this. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, This is talking about heaven, coming down out of heaven from God. This is after Jesus is, uh, not after, this is uh, with Jesus' return, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Guys, why is creation groaning along with us? Where will heaven be? It'll be here. A renewed earth. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've heard that before, but that's what the scripture tells us. My mom is in heaven. Heaven is not here right now. But the scripture is very clear. Just so you know, I'm not losing it. Every theologian I respect says that one day upon Jesus' return, like we just read together, man, heaven will come here to a renewed, perfect earth. That's why creation's groaning. That's why creation is crying out with you and me. That's why we can say, okay, we, we're, we're looking at this beautiful earth. I don't know the last time you looked up at the sky and your breath was taken away. I don't know the last time you were driving on the way home from work just as the sun was setting and you just kind of said, I got to pull over and just take a picture right now because this is incredible. But can you imagine a perfect, renewed earth? 
John Piper said this. He says the incarnation of Jesus was not temporary, right? Like, I remember around Christmas time, God with us, right? Joe even mentioned it last week. God with us, right? That wasn't temporary. Like, I love that it says that people are crying out, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them, right? And so Jesus coming wasn't temporary and we will enjoy eternity on a renewed, perfect earth with our Savior. Guys, you've got to, you and I, we have got to cling to this and say, yes, but, right? Like, yes, this hurts. Yes, my heart's broken. Yes, my body hurts. Yes, my loved one is far from God or far from me, but this is where I'm heading. This is how Paul could have faith and expectation and hope and joy in the midst of horrible circumstances. He was leaning in with all of creation, awaiting for what his Savior would accomplish. Can you imagine a renewed earth? I mean, think about how beautiful this place is now. I climbed a, a waterfall in Jamaica, not Queens, the real one. I, I climbed a waterfall. <laughs> I've swam in blue waters in Mexico. Have you ever seen the Grand Canyon? I actually never been there, but I hear it's great. But, but man, can you imagine a perfect, renewed earth? Guys, this is what we look forward to. And what's gonna happen on that renewed earth? Well, look at how God will interact with us. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older order of things has passed away. Man, can I have some of that? Like, can I have some of that? Can I have and lean into and anticipate and cling to that? Wow. You might be here today saying, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. Because we're just going to be like on clouds and stuff, right? Well, here's how I want you to think about it. What are we going to do in heaven? For the most part, everything we do here, but perfectly, right? Like everything we enjoy here, but without sin and without temptation and without murder and rape and all the horrible things that take place in this world and without selfishness and pride and jealousy and all the garbage on the inside of us that makes us do all the right things for all the wrong reasons, right? We're going to play right? We're going to laugh. We're going to eat. We're going to worship. We're going to see Jesus face to face. He's going to wipe every tear from your eyes, right? Like this is going to be amazing. You have no idea, right? The scripture tells us we have no idea. We can't wrap our minds. That's why Revelations, have you ever read Revelation before? And you're like, I don't know what is going on right now, right? Why is that? Because here's John, who's like a human, trying to just get out to us things that are not of this world right now, right? That, that are otherworldly, that are, that are mind-boggling and, and mind-blowing. If you want to dive deeper into this, there's a great book by Randy Alcorn. I can never remember the name. I think, oh, heaven, that's it. <laughs> so go ahead. There's a, I mean, it is like you got to be ready to go for it, but there's also a booklet that you can get, I think for like $1.50, a little like condensed version. If you're trying to figure out what are we going to do in heaven, why do I want to go, I really encourage you to check that out. But we should be looking forward to heaven. Verse 5 says, He who sitteth on the throne said, I am making everything new. And that's what we wait for, right? That's why we groan along with creation, because it's not new yet. But he's making everything new. And he's prepared a place for us, right? And it's going to be beautiful. Verse 24 of Romans 8 says this, for in this hope we were saved. But hope 
that is seen is no hope at all. We don't see heaven right now, right? But we know Jesus is good because he's changed our lives. We, we know Jesus is good because it's a historical event that took place where he beat death and hell. If you're not a father of Jesus, that's our hope here. I hope you know that today. We're not talking about trying to you know, be a bunch of good people so that we can go to this heaven place or we can join you know, what God's doing when heaven comes here. No, instead, we're saying Jesus purchased this for us. But we're waiting on we're waiting on home. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And that's why we're disappointed sometimes. Because we're waiting for that. We're hanging on for that. We're leaning into that. And all creation's crying out around us. For the moment when God will renew all things, perfect heavenly bodies, his glory, not just to us, but in us revealed. Guys, heaven should be welled up in our hearts. It should carry us through the disappointments of this life. It should empower us to walk forward through the hardship. It should empower us to be able to look at a a situation that feels impossible and say, I could take another step today because of heaven. I can take another step tomorrow because of heaven. I can See God, walk me through this family crisis because of heaven. I'm going to get through this sickness thing because of heaven. I'm going to be okay without that loved one because of heaven, because of Jesus. And so here's what I want you to take with you today. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Life disappoints, but, right? That's what we got to do. Four times in this series, four weeks in this series, we're going to say that phrase, life disappoints, but And on the other end of that is going to be something we can cling to that changes everything. And so I hope you'll join us next week as we talk about the next reason we don't lose hope. The next reason we know we can still hang in there and that we won't let the disappointment turn into discouragement or depression or despair. If we already find ourselves there, we'll begin to say, oh God, help me lean in to eternity. Help me to lean into heaven Guys, life is hard. I am an optimist. I remember as a kid, I thought life was going to be this and life was going to be that. And there have been many beautiful things that I get in my life. I'm blessed in so many ways. But man, life is really hard sometimes. It's really devastating sometimes, right? But this is our hope. And this is what we lean into. When you're disappointed with what God hasn't done for you, remember what he has in store for you. Lean into it hard. We live in this tension between the perfect and the imperfect, but it's only temporary because there is a God writing a beautiful ending. So will you cling to what Jesus has already accomplished? Will you say, yes, I got lots of bills, but I'm going to heaven, right? Heaven awaits. Yes, the disease is horrible, but heaven awaits. Yes, I lost my job, but heaven awaits. Yes, the hair jumped off my head, but heaven awaits. By the way, I'm going to be in the long hair section in heaven. Just come find me there. I'll be the one whose hair is just dragging on the streets of gold. But I want you to just realize that you know this is true. You know the idea of looking forward to something to get you through something actually works. When I was a kid, my parents decided we were going to drive upstate for a family vacation and they decided to bring the family dog and some stranger from our church that needed a ride. And so we're in our station wagon driving upstate and got my dad, 
I got my mom in the front seat, and then I got my sister sitting between them in the middle row of the station wagon because it was the 80s and there were no laws in America yet, apparently. <laughs> and then it was me, the dog, and the hitchhiker lady from church. And there was something wrong with the air conditioning, and it's August, and we have the windows down, and there's hair fly- dog hair flying everywhere, and as we're driving up, it starts raining, which means now we've got to close the windows, and it's hot, and it's sticky, and... I smell the dog, and all I want to do is get out of this car. And my sister decides this would be a good time in the front seat to grab an apple and start to eat it. And as she's eating it, the dog grabs the apple and begins to eat it. And now there's dog spit and apple juice flying all over the car. And if that weren't enough, we're just all sitting there in silence that this is actually life. And the dog puts his face right up next to my sister's face and lets out a monumental belch right in the car. And I thought to myself, I have got to get out of this car. But something kept me going, right? Hey, there's a lake ahead, right? There's a water slide ahead. There's water skiing ahead. Guys, in life, we have got to say, man, this car ride stinks sometimes, right? This dog's a stinking slob, right? But the lake, the lake's ahead, right? I'm going to cling to what I know is coming. And I will see Jesus, and he will wipe every tear, right? And I'll be reunited with my mom, my grandparents, and those that I love that we even lost this year. Never tempted again to sin. I'll never wrestle with pride again, with jealousy or selfishness. Never wake up anxious again. Never wondering why again. God will give me a responsibility. We will eat and we will play and we will sing and we will worship. And that's your story too. And that's why we cling to what the Lord says is truth in his word. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. As I said, I've been to more funerals this year than last. And they were for a 16-year-old girl. Therefore, a man in his 40s, they were for a woman who was a little older, Cindy and Natalie's mom, and they were for my pastor growing up, who was 80. And so you had parents getting up and saying, I know where my daughter is. You had spouses getting up and saying, I know where my spouse is. And you had parents getting up, or kids getting up rather, and Cindy and Natalie got up and said, I know where my mom is. This hurts, but I know where they are. Because life disappoints but heaven awaits. If you're not a father of Jesus today, man, you walk through life with disappointment. I know, I do too. We, it's hard, it's hard, right? Discouragement comes in and depression comes in and despair comes in. But there's a Savior who loves you so much. And he wants you to look forward to the lake, right? He wants you to be able to walk through life and say, okay, this is real hard and my heart is broken. And that's very real. That is very real. God is not minimizing or trying to diminish what you've gone through, but he is trying to get you instead to say, yes, but. Yes, but. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, his love for you is what makes this all possible. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him today. But church, be encouraged today. Cling to this. Cling to this. I know we're all walking through it. If I gave everybody a mic, you'd all tell me. This is what's going on. These are the bills I got to pay. This is the marriage that's falling apart. This is my kids, how far they are. This is my girlfriend broke up with me. My my best friend stabbed me in the back. I don't know. I'm scared to death of retirement. Am I going to have enough money? We'd all have so many stories. 
Yes, but. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the hope. Thank you, God, that you have given us every reason to rejoice today. And God, life is so incredibly hard sometimes. But God, I thank you that you have given us something to cling to this morning, something that is so much bigger than our pain, as Paul said, something that can't even be compared to the glory that will be revealed both to us and in us. God, thank you for your plan. God, not just to redeem us, but to redeem this beautiful earth you created. That, God, we will spend eternity here with you in perfection. And, God, we are just most excited about seeing you. We're most excited about when you wipe every tear from our face. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I ask you just to lean today? Lean with anticipation into heaven. Lean with anticipation. Groan. It's okay. Groan if you have to. We're going to talk about that next week. Groan. It's okay to to grieve. It's okay to walk through it. It's okay to carry something heavy as long as you know there's hope. Maybe even ask God for a greater desire greater anticipation, a greater excitement and passion for eternity. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you want to put your trust in him, I'd encourage you to pray with me now. Just silently, you can say something like this to God. Jesus, thank you so much that you want me to look forward to heaven. You want me to to look forward to what you have prepared for me. And God, thank you so much that I don't have to try to earn my way there. Thank you that your death on the cross and your resurrection is what has purchased my adoption and my redemption. Jesus, show me now what it looks like to follow you. If I could just ask everybody to keep your head down for a minute. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you would like to just let me know you did that so I could be praying for you this week, would you just look up at me really quickly? Anybody do that today? the very first time. I want to make sure. Thank you. Anybody else today? I want to make sure I see you. I just want to be praying for you. Awesome. Thank you, God. Just quick glance up. So, God, we're grateful today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God, for those that are responding right now, Jesus. And we're praying you'll do such powerful things in their life. In your name.